I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Creative Guts. On today's episode, we're talking with Randall Nielsen. Randall, as you probably know, is the artist behind From Strange Pieces and the founder of Queer Lective. If you're not familiar, Queer Lective is an arts organization with a mission of creating and promoting inclusive environments for the queer, BIPOC, and underserved communities with a focus on utilizing art for personal and community growth. Randall is an artist himself on a mission to spread color and light throughout the universe through queer, shiny art. So we're pretty excited. With that, let's get right into this episode of Creative Guts with Randall Nielsen. Randall, thanks so much for being on Creative Guts. Thank you so much for having me. I know this has been a little bit of a work in progress because of scheduling, (laughs) but I'm so happy to finally be here. Thank you so much for both of you for having me It seemed like such a no-brainer that we were, of course, going to have you on the podcast at some point. So I'm glad we finally are here. We did it. We made it happen. Very much looking forward to it for uh, quite a while. Even before we approached you, I feel like your name had been on our list for like (laughs) a year at least, Uh, you know? I love hearing that. (laughs) Yes. Don't tell Jason. (laughs) Jason's now on my list, too, because of the thing that Mosaic posted of, like, the fabric and, like, the house in it. I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. So, anyway. It's it's crazy to think about, like, I have gone through such a tremendous, like, growth through forming Queer Elective and being more authentic to myself and creating, like, more art and expressing myself. But it's also, like, really crazy to think about how much growth even Jason and the other Queer Elective members have gone through before... Starting Queer Elective, Jason, his mom does quilting and she's very talented. She's a very talented fiber artist, but I don't think Jason probably would have considered himself artistic. But it's wild wow. now because we will be in a space. We, for example, we we're at the Kimball Jenkins salon show opening and there was somebody there that was like, oh my gosh, I came here just to see your piece. And I'm so excited to see your piece at Mosaic because they saw some of his other pieces. And it's wild to think, the amount of growth he's gone through in this process too. Um, Even like the New Hampshire State Council on the Arts, their conference. Right? Isn't that so cool? Jason was the one that hosted the workshop on community collaborative art, which was incredible. Wow. That is beautiful. Sarah just showed me an image on her phone of it. And it is, it's actually reminding me of a piece similarly like the, that I've, done before and I've seen before with like the unfolding and the, the yeah. like interacting with the layers within. Yeah. Yeah. That really hits my heart. It's oh, so cool. So let's back up a moment. Yeah. And let's talk about Queer Elective first. So will you share what it's about and it's, it's history? Yeah. So Queer Elective, we formed Queer Elective in July of last year, immediately after Queen City Pride last year. Because we realized that the our community really needed consistent opportunities for queer, BIPOC, and other marginalized communities to gather solely around celebration. And the entire Quarter Queer Elective team really believes art is a tremendous tool in community engagement and bringing to people together and sharing stories. And so, yeah, we formed it in July, and the reception from the community from the get-go has been really, really tremendous, and it's really allowed us to grow at a really (laughs) crazy but exciting 
rate. And I'm sorry, did you say July of last year? Yes. Yeah. It feels like you have, Queer Elective has been around for at least three or four or five years in yeah. my mind somehow, yeah. <laughs> which I think just goes to show the level of impact that, A, at least your marketing at the very least does, Thank if you. not your programming as a whole. Like that is really impressive that in my mind, it's been around for many, many years. Yeah. Yep. I will quick shout out Ashley Johnson is our marketing director. She does a lot of our marketing. I'll do like the funny videos every once in a while, mm-hmm. but she's the one that really does like the core of our marketing and she's really, really amazing. But I will say that Career Elective's growth is really a testament to how important our work is for the community. Yeah. And it's it really is just something that's really needed and wanted and really resonates with a lot of people in New Hampshire. And even outside of New Hampshire, like our our reach is like really expanding at a really fast rate and it's really exciting, but it obviously comes with its challenges uh, in terms of organizing and capacity building and leadership on my part. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We're definitely going to talk more about Queer Elective, but will you also sort of introduce yourself to listeners and tell us a little bit about your art? Yeah. So typically when I introduce myself, I will say I'm an artist, engineer, and community organizer. I make sure to include that engineer portion in there because that is what I do as a day job. Although I am trying to get Queer Elective to pay me full time <laughs> because I just love doing that work so much more. But um, in terms of my art, my engineering background comes into play in my art in a lot of ways in terms of the structural elements of my art and the kind of things that I try to represent in my art. I think I knew that you were an engineer by day, but I don't think I ever really like made that connection to your art. And it like makes perfect sense. Like you can see engineer in your art. Yeah. So I use a lot of different materials and a lot of different kind of technology in my art, like laser cutting and 3D printing. I use a lot. And even like I use a lot of resin and a lot of like unconventional materials. Yeah, there's a lot of technical aspects that go into my art. And one thing that I would really love to work on is incorporating more, even more electronics and technology in my art and producing more interactive art pieces. I've been kind of like delving into that recently, but there's a skill set that I have to kind of build up before I'm like able to share these pieces, but get ready for more like interactive art coming out from from Strange Pieces very soon. Cool. Is any of your art 2D. I feel like I can't think of a single thing that's just like. So I do do digital illustration. Okay. Um, that's kind of how I got started doing art. Uh, for the longest time, I always like doodled and I was pretty good at doing portraits. And at the beginning of last year, when I made the decision to kind of take my art seriously, I actually took a, a drawing or an intro to drawing class at New England College. And that was like really my introduction into like taking art seriously. And I did do like a portrait for your blue zine. And I do a couple of portraits every once in a while, but primarily now it's like graphic design and then the sculptural stuff that I do. And the blue zine is not the only zine that you're in for Creative Guts, right? No, I'm also in the most recent one, the Kaleidoscope one as well. Yes. The coolest one. Which is like just made for you with the cut. Like your pieces are so vibrant and colorful and just the most dynamic. I think you are the only artist that has five pieces in the show. And we, we really like, there was no way we could not say yes to them at all. I love hearing that because I was a little nervous. I was like, am I going overboard? But I did feel like my pieces really resonated with mm-hmm. the theme of the show. I think 
all of them are monochromatic except for the one that's the great garbage patch slash my (laughs) first year in art. Um, But even that one, like despite it not being monochromatic, there's just so much color and so much texture in that one that I felt like it still really resonated with the theme. Yeah. And you have like, uh, there's only a few artists that have like a whole spread and you do and your work, it's just, it's working independently and then collaboratively with it itself. Like, and then on the yeah. wall at the Rochester Museum of Fine Arts, which is the companion exhibit to the zine. And it's just like delicious. Like your work yeah. is just, if I had one word to describe it, I'd say it's delicious. Thank I want to <laughs> scoop it up and swim in it and everything. Yeah, I I can definitely see that, like, even the earrings that I'm Mm -hmm. wearing right now, like, they kind of look like rock candy. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I use a lot of, like, really bright colors in my work. And the fact that I use resin a lot of times also helps with that kind of, like, candy Mm -hmm. aspect. Yeah. I think I really like, too, when we were putting the zine together and I was looking at, like, people's medium. So it's, like, you know, acrylic paint. And then yours are, like... Wire, spray paint, cellophane, (laughs) resin. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I love just like using different materials. Another thing that I wanted to point out about the art is all of the names have like mostly a kind of scientific like kind of theme to them. Like the Marula one, that one, when I finished making it, it reminded me of, reminded me of like a clump of cells in a uterus, essentially. And that's kind of what that piece reminded me of is like something being created essentially and it also reminds me of the movie annihilation have you guys ever mm-hmm. seen that the scene where the entity takes natalie portman's blood and it starts to create a new being yes. and when this and you'll see that in there oh where my the gosh, yes. it gets uh it takes her blood and then the cells start dividing you'll see that in there and it's it's a very it looks very similar to have i created. seen that I feel like I've it was seen a that. book as well. Annihilation is a stunningly beautiful mm-hmm. movie. The book I also really loved, although the second one almost murdered me. Yeah. So most of the books that I listen to, or most of the books I read, I do audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And the second one was actually <laughs> really boring. <laughs> and it almost put me to sleep on my drive to work. Oh and my I had gosh. to like, fight for my life I to stay away. I do audiobooks as well. Movie. But I ended up, I read those. I remember I read those. And that was like, a while back. So yeah, I don't, I don't quite remember how I felt about the second one as much. The <laughs> first the, one really hits you. The you movie know? is visually stunning. The movie there's was a so lot of, cool. There's a yeah. lot of take home yep. inspiration from that one. Yep. That piece that we were just speaking about, it makes me think of an eclipse. So I think of like a celestial body or a planet or, you know, but then also something other, like something biomorphic, yeah. that, an organism that's living, but celestial, that's, you know, without... So, I have another piece that's like a much bigger one that I call Black Hole Sun. And basically with that one, I spray painted an eclipse on a canvas and then I formed the cellophane into a dome over it. And with that piece, the Marula piece, I was actually trying to recreate it, but I couldn't get it perfect. And so I was like taking the cellophane off and putting it back on and retrying. But the benefit to that is that it added a ton of texture to the piece. And at the same time, I had a hyperfixation with stringing beads using those like spinny things Mm -hmm. from because I got it from TikTok. And so I had like a ton of these strung beads. And I was like, what would it look like if I just put it in the center? And it turned into my my favorite piece that I've ever made, (laughs) which is crazy. 
That's the beauty of art. You just, you go in with an intention and you still get surprised by what yeah, comes sometimes. Truly. Absolutely. Like everything I do is extremely experimental. I, I do have like an idea of like what I'm trying to do, but given the way that I'm making things, like I have to, with my, the sculptural pieces using the cellophane, I came up with this process where I just call it cellophaneify, but it's uh, spreading a thin layer of resin on top of cellophane. And then you have to rig it up into certain uh, shapes to get it to solidify Mm -hmm. into that shape. And a lot of times I will use gravity to kind of mold the cellophane, but I can never like completely guarantee what the final shape is going to be. And I also can't guarantee that I won't go into our basement, which is my studio, and there will be a pile of resin on the floor <laughs> with like tools glued into it. And then I have to like chisel the, the pieces out. Oh my we still rent our place. So I'm, I'll, I don't know what I'll have to do to clean that up. When we leave. <laughs> I'm sure there's a YouTube how-to yeah. on how to remove that. <laughs> and then you can turn it into art. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Will you tell us a little bit more about this, like, journey to the point where, like, you started taking your art more seriously and, like, made that decision? Like, have you always been creative? I've always been creative. I've always, like, done, like, these little projects. I've always, like, sketched. But it wasn't until, honestly, at the end of 2021 when my mental health got really bad, partially because of COVID, partially because I was in New Hampshire and I hadn't yet found like a community for myself. And I found myself putting myself in positions where I wasn't being my most authentic self. Mm. And I really did have like a pretty significant like mental health issue at the end of 2021. And it was at the beginning of that year that I was like, okay, like what do I need to do to honestly be happier. And a big part of that was being more authentic to myself and expressing myself more. And within a month is when I, that of January is when I came up with From Strange Pieces and I put together all the branding stuff. And then from there, I set my goal to market at Queen City Pride in 2022, last year. And that was my first time like sharing my art with the community. And so, again, it's just been, like, such, like, a really short period of time. And it is wild to, like, take a step back sometimes and see how different I am, both as an artist and as an organizer in that really short amount of time. It is pretty comical (laughs) because there are certain people that I tried to, like, engage with or I engaged with in that very early stage of the transition to where I am now. And those are people like my art teacher at New England College or even some of the other kids that were taking class with me there. And like I, a lot of times I will forget at just how much my art has changed and my like leadership skills have changed. And then I'll see these people and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I hear you on NHPR. I saw you yeah. on the news the other day. And I was like, oh, geez, like you really saw me like when I started really getting into art and it's wild to just think of like how different I am in such a short amount of time. Right. Right. I would have just assumed you were like doing your art thing all this time. I've been pretty strategic about it, I think. And I think I do have like a pretty good, well, actually I don't know if it's strategy or as much of opportunistic. Yeah. I'm somebody that will 
throw like a fishing line every time there's an opportunity to see what catches. And I think that's helped me a lot. I think not being afraid to fail helps Mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a lot of growth in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Well, given all that growth in such a short amount of time, do you have like lingering like imposter syndrome now? I don't. (laughs) Ooh. I don't. Like... I love hearing that. That's amazing. No, it I'm is just interesting because, like, I'm I am like for the most part like a very self taught artist. Yeah, but I I do know like I'm making this art for myself. Yeah, and I love what I make, and so like I I don't really get that imposter syndrome when it comes to my art, and even when I'm like tabling as an artist, like I can tell people resonate with the pieces that I make. Not all the pieces equally. I will say you, as you start like tabling and like making art kind of to sell, you do have to like Mm -hmm. cater to people. I I will say one of my favorite illustrations that I've ever done is a drawing of somebody I call the alien queen. And she is basically a yassified version of the diva from the fifth element. Have you guys watched that (gasps) movie? She's stunning. And the, the illustration that I did of her is just so gorgeous. I think it's like beautiful, but in the time that I've been like selling that print at markets and stuff, I probably have sold three of them. (laughs) Whereas one night as a joke, I made like a glittery illustration of (laughs) the words little in a heart and those are my second biggest selling like stickers is my little b- stickers. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. That's like a thing that happens. It is. With it every is. artist, there's like the thing you put, you know, 70 hours into your whole heart and everything and nobody really cares about it. And then some little doodle can just yeah. blow up. <laughs> I will say in terms of those like graphic design things, the other thing that sells really well is the NH Pride with the birch trees. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. That one came to me, I don't know, like in a dream or something. And I was like, I have an idea. And I illustrated it so quickly. And I honestly, I ordered pins like right away, which is a lot to do because I don't know if you guys have ordered pins, but the upfront cost is kind of wicked. Yes. huge. Yeah. I actually haven't because of that. Yeah, I, I'm it's like, like, wow. No, couple, even, even Creative Guts, we just made our own pins. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. And so it's like, but oh my God. Uh, those pins and that design really just the epitome of like NH pride, both like having pride being a queer person, but also having pride in being part of New Hampshire. And yeah. so I've sold a ton of those and yeah, people really love that design. So I haven't made anything that's been better than that in terms of like my graphic designing kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. And you had mentioned when you first came to New Hampshire, you really didn't feel like comfortable in that you didn't find the community that you were seeking to feel like really, you know, good and everything, but it sounds like you've been building it. Yes. And that's Mm. like kudos to you for doing that because that's helping so many people and and making it more vibrant to live here. I had lived in New Hampshire for about four years before, like I started doing this Mm -hmm. kind of work. And I will say I basically didn't leave my apartment that entire time, really just going to work and just coming home. But since I like made the decision to either create that community or find it, it's been a combination of both. Like I said, the the reception from the community has been really tremendous and emotional. I will say yeah. like part of Queer Elective, 
I think I have to probably put this in the job description for like new board members. You have to be okay crying because of this work. (laughs) Because after like Pride this year, we went through the photos of like the event and the sense of like happiness and joy, despite it being like torrential downpour the entire day, is just so palpable. And we'll also like do some like surveys from the vendors at the event. And even after our first event, which wasn't super successful in terms of like getting people to come buy stuff, all of the artists said that they would do it again in a heartbeat because of the sense of community that they got from it. And yeah, the first couple of events and Pride, the entire Queer Elective team is just like texting each other in group chat and talking about how much we're crying and we're, we, I love you and stuff like That's that. So it's just very sweet. sweet. And it, we we do realize in at those times because it can be hard to like really remember just how important this kind of work is to the community. But taking the step back after we do something big, it's really heartening to see yeah. just how important this kind of work for the community is. Yeah, I recently participated in like a listening group for a hospital system here, and they asked me to come and speak on the experiences of queer people through the hospital system. And they started it with, like, the meeting with, like, the statistics of, like, the suicide rates and the mental health issues of that a lot of queer people face. And it made me really emotional because, like, thinking back on the comments that we get from our community and how much it means to them to have people to share their experience with and people that see them for who they are and don't ask them to be anything different. There, There's tremendous, there really is tremendous power in just providing that sense of community for people. And we don't always, the Queer Elective team doesn't always realize it, but the, the work that we do really is life-saving work. Making sure that people feel a sense of belonging is really, really important. And we've really been happy with the community that we've built. So, Right. That's amazing. And it's it's incredible, too, in its own way that, like, because of Queer Elective, like, people know your name now and invite you to things like this hospital community yeah. outreach thing. <laughs> we get so many requests to be part of things. So many, especially during Pride Month. And we're like, you know, we exist the rest of the year, just so you know. (laughs) Um, But we we really do get a ton of requests to be a part of stuff, both as like community advocates, but also because people see the value of having these kind of art-focused aspects to their gatherings. And that is part of our capacity building because... Queer Elective really is only three people (laughs) right now. Well, I think by the time this comes out, it'll be more. Um, But there's just too much work for us to do on our own. Yeah. And so we are working on building capacity and really bringing in more people that care about the kind of work that we're doing. Right. um, And providing them with like the tools to help us help them. As a founder of this organization and bringing people in, do you feel this level of preciousness with what you've created in taking a step back and letting others help collectively drive the bus? Yeah, I I do somewhat, but I mean, Queer Elective 
is designed to be an organization that's by the community for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like really my role in that is being like a catalyst to help facilitate other people's ideas and really kind of having a bigger picture of queer electives goals long-term. I think you two might've been par- a part of it, but we when we first formed Queer Elective, we started with just like a community survey before we even had like a real name for the organization. That's so I think cool. We got 30 responses to that, which is a lot for like something that didn't yeah. exist, didn't exist yet. yet. Yeah. And so we asked people like, <laughs> which of these five names do you like? What color palettes do you like for our branding? What kind of things do you want this organization to do for the community? And we kind of a funny side story is that not everybody that was a part of like that original group queer elective group liked the name queer elective because it is a little like, it's not scandalous, but it is a little in your face. I will say. I love it. Um, But yeah, all of us, but that was the name that everybody, well, it was one of the two names that got the highest votes. And since then we, all of us really just love the name and it's fun in terms of like having to work with other community organizations like part of the reason we love the name Queer Elective is that if you want to work with us, you have to stay queer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like very in your face, but in like a good way. Yeah. 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 I'm a big fan. I was really, I was going to ask you like where you came up with the name and like how you landed on it. Cause that's hard. Naming an organization it was really is hard. Like, I mean, we had like a lot of possible names. Jason actually came up with the name Queer Elective cause he was thinking, queer and elective and like elective in terms of school so we're okay. like the fun thing you do after school as like a side like having fun <laughs> oh um, that's so cute that's yeah. not at all how i was thinking but i love it <laughs> uh and then we kind of just dropped that e in the middle and it became queer elective so. yeah Huh. What can you, if you want to, you don't have to, do you, would you like to share some of the runners up? <laughs> I actually don't remember all of them. I think when I started it, cause I was kind of like the pioneer for like putting together this group. I think one of the names that I came up with is the oddity art collective, but yeah, people didn't like that. I like the name like odd because like my art business is called From Strange Pieces, and so I just love using, like, those synonyms for weird. But, yeah, it just didn't resonate as much with people, so. Yeah, I love the name. Queer Elective is I awesome. I love yeah, it, too. It's great. It's, it's really great. And I, I love our branding. I I, pink, I love website. pink. I love purple. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> you're, you. You're, you know, I'm a graphic designer by day, and I was looking at your site again recently, and I remember it from about a year ago, which... In my head, it would have been around for a few years, but I guess it was new. And then I looked at it, I think, yesterday, and I was like, oh, gosh, it looks even more beautiful. Like, I really appreciate it. It's funny because I did take a graphic design class in between, like, first starting the website and now, and I do think that it helped me a lot. I do have a lot of the assets, like, in Canva from the initial website, and I'm like, I can't believe I thought that that looked good. Oh, (laughs) Everything I've ever freaking designed, I go through that. I look back on stuff from like the SEDs from two years ago at my company, this book I make every year. Every year I look back and I think, oh my God, it was hideous last year. How did anyone accept this? And it's just an endless cycle. It is. And I am unfortunately somebody that's like always, oh, it could be better. And so I'm always just like tweaking. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, 
is it okay if we rebrand a little bit? And our, Ashley, our marketing person, is like, no! No! <laughs> I'm like, but it's okay. People know us. I think it's okay. I I think it looks very, you know, fresh and modern, but like colorful and playful, but it doesn't go too far where it it steps away from like the important community impact and this, like, I want to say seriousness of it yeah. because it really is like you mentioned, you know, has probably saved people's lives. It's given them space to feel comfortable and welcomed in. And so you, I think do a really nice job all as a whole in creating branding that represents the playfulness, but also the seriousness. And that's a really hard line yeah. to walk. Yeah. I think I, I appreciate that like queer elective doesn't take ourselves too seriously all the time. I I can think of either, even some of like the videos that we've done recently, like, oh, getting ready for Sip and Slay, all of the memes that we made. Like we had so much fun <laughs> uh, like in our group chat coming up with those stupid, <laughs> stupid memes. And then also our fundraising campaign that we just did were the two minute sketches for everybody that donated more $5 or more. Did you guys see those? <laughs> Oh no, I don't think I did. <gasps> it reminded me of uh, like with the the SPCA, we'll do like a like a badly poorly drawn oh. pet sort of oh, fundraiser, okay. where yeah. oh. like you know you donate money and like they'll draw a shitty picture of your pet, and you're like love that. <laughs> yeah, so we we're all drawing those and sharing them in the group chat, and every Amazing. other one we'd be like, oh my god, this person's gonna hate us because we made them look so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> no, they know what they're getting into. We told them it was two minutes. <laughs> So good. I'm going to have to go hunt it down. Now. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've been kind of stepping a little bit back from social media other Ugh, than what I have to post. So my algorithm's all messed up. It's probably I missed it. I've definitely felt like this year I've Me gotten too. a little addicted yeah, more than past years and my screen time has gone up. And I think it's been a hard year for me personally with, you know, family things and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So I feel like it's the new it's the new white noise. It's the new thing you yep. can like really just shut your brain off to, yeah. but then it's making me not necessarily like really look at things. So yeah, I have to, it's a weird, that's another weird, you know, line, but I do see a lot of it through, you know, posting for us and stuff, yeah. but then I try to shut it off. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I, I stop myself sometimes from saying like, I don't have time for that. So like particularly like creative stuff, like I could pick up a new instrument, but I don't have time for that. I could learn a new language, but I don't have time for that. Cause then I'm like, no, you do. You just choose to use it by scrolling your phone instead. <laughs> <laughs> like the monster that you are. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I use social media. Like it's something that I use to like fill like blank space. I don't necessarily seek it out I guess but Good for I do you. like yeah in terms of like having time to do stuff I can absolutely divert some of that time that I'm using on social media to creating more which yep. is really challenging yeah and and speaking of time how do you balance your time between these two huge passions and having a, a day job you know building this community that is centered around art and wonderful people and then your own art like is that an inner struggle for you it is a really big struggle. Um, <laughs> Queer Elective absolutely is already like a full-time job for me. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't think my boss will listen to this podcast, but... Let's just say I have my own laptop on my desk a lot of times when I'm in the office. <laughs> and, yeah. 
And it's it's really challenging because I want to be able to dedicate a lot more time to Queer Elective, but engineering pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it will happen for me because Queer Elective really, we're growing so fast and I, I have a lot of confidence in the value of what we're doing. So it's really just a matter of time. I did kind of have like a soft goal of being paid full time for Queer Elective within a year, but it, that is also ridiculous. <laughs> Very ambitious. And oh my yeah, gosh. The, the Optimistic. Goal, yeah. And the goalposts in terms of like fundraising for that is really funny because I'm like, oh, we just need like $100,000. I'm like, no, Mm-mm. we need $200,000. No, actually, we need a million dollars over like four or five years. <laughs> yeah. When you think of yeah. sustaining a position, yep. you know, that's something we've talked about with yep. Creative Guts, you know. A dream for someday, but for a person to be, yeah. you know, being able to pay the bills yeah. consistently long yeah. term. Yeah, and it's more than just salary, but all that fringe stuff and the yeah. admin that comes along mm-hmm. with having that much money is, yeah. And that wasn't yep. even something I put together completely on my own. It, like, took me a while to realize the full scope of, like, yeah. creating, like, a full-time job out of this. I was at the New Hampshire Center for Nonprofits, their leadership conference. And there was somebody else there that had just mentioned (laughs) that their organization had gotten like a a million dollar grant from the National Endowment for Health that was like over like five years. And I'm like, that's what I have to do. That's what I have to go for. Are you kidding me? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's okay. Uh, I don't think there's one roadmap though. I mean, you know. Maybe there'll be other opportunities as well, hopefully. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely, like, it's interesting because I have made, like, a significant amount from side gigs this year from, like, art and, like, consulting and, like, freelance work. Yeah. And I didn't think that I could do that before. Yeah. So we'll see. It'll probably be, like, a combination of a number yeah. of things. But Good. It's exciting stuff, though. It is really exciting. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Will you tell us about what you did with Manchester Pride and the art committee and the murals? The murals. Yeah. So the are you talking about the the mural festival that I did with Arts Build Community? Yes. Yeah. So that was a really fantastic project and I was really happy to be a part of it. So a little background, I helped facilitate some community conversations for the mural festival that James Chase did as part of Arts Build Community. So me and the artist that was painting the specific mural went to my turn and we sat with the kids there and facilitated a conversation asking them what community means to them. And we even asked them to bring in some items as kind of a show and tell from their homes to discuss that. And it was really, really special because you sometimes forget how insightful like kids can be and so the conversation was really impactful and important and it just really meant a lot to be able to listen to their stories and also come up help come up with a mural that has their fingerprint on it and so one of the people that we ended up talking about as part of that facilitation was one of the parents of the kids in the group. She was known for coming in and making a lot of food for everybody. And she ended up being put on that mural. And so it was just really cool to be able to have these kind of projects where the community is really represented in those. So That's 
that's a really big deal. Uh, it's huge. I mean, it's. I mean, Manchester. The whole face of it has really changed over I know. the last few years. It is changing. It still needs some more help. Um, yeah. But we. There's a lot of things that are going to happen next year. A lot of things. Yeah. And are really exciting. Mm-hmm. You're saying that in a voice like it's kind of a secret. <laughs> so, I mean, it's You'll not entirely out. a secret. It is a little bit of a challenge working with the city because there are so many, like, boxes you have to check before you can, yep. like, fully say something is happening. But one, like, project that I'm excited about, but full disclosure, like, this is still, like, a little bit in the planning phase it's not completely like um solidified just yet is that um i am working with the conservation law foundation to put together a tactical urbanism project so cool Um, and what that is is essentially what we would be doing is using art to improve visibility at intersections to improve road safety but also create a sense of belonging for the people in that community and so the space that we have that's kind of proposed right now is Quarry Square, which is right next to Central High School, which is a, a space that needs a lot of love. Uh, a lot of the sidewalks in that area have not, they need just need a little bit of love. Um, so it, it's a really cool project to kind of act as a pilot of using art, not in just a way to beautify the city, but in a way to improve safety for the community. Yeah, And yeah, I think the goal is to implement that in May. So around February, we'll probably be having some more kind of community talks, discussing potentially visuals that we want in it. But that project will also require uh, significant volunteer work to implement. So if somebody wants to get their hands dirty, come join us and help us paint the sidewalk. A true call to action. (laughs) I love it. And I love that it will improve you know, enhance the community and improve it and make it safer. I was just in Manchester and I was crossing a sidewalk and I realized that there was no chirping or noise or anything. I I used to live in Manchester, but it's been a while. But I remember just as I was crossing thinking, this is weird that there isn't any auditory signal to let people know that it's safe to cross. And I I don't know if that's across the board in Manchester, but that's... I'm not sure about that, but there... Manchester needs it needs some needs yeah. some help. Yes, yeah. but it's it's in a fantastic place right now, though. It's it has a ton of potential. There's a lot of opportunity there. Manchester kind of feels like it's like a little bit of a teenager right now, mm. and it's growing through like a really big growth phase. But I want to make sure that uh, the voices of the marginalized communities in Manchester are part of that transitional period for the city. So I imagine that you've. Connected with slash our friends with Amber Nicole Cannon. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yes, at her her piece in, there was two exhibits happening at yeah, the same so time. Yeah, so she was part of the Fanner on show. The, yes, um, thank you. <laughs> illuminating the perception of civil justice through the eyes of the community. But so she has been doing her cyanotype project for a while. And I a couple of my pieces are like, a couple of my cyanotypes are in there. And also, uh, I really love that project because it's like a great participatory interactive kind of art thing. And so we had her at Manchester Pride and a couple of other events doing that cyanotype activity. So That's wonderful. It's so important. And it's just, it's really wonderful to see 
change happening through creativity and through art in that way and people who are propelling it forward even more and calling others to be a part of it and more needs to happen. But it's it's nice to look back and see what's been done so far. Well, this is a great opportunity to talk about Queer Elective's kind of new initiative of bringing art into different aspects of the community. I think it's very interesting because... At the same time that we're creating these opportunities for marginalized communities to celebrate around art, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to diversify or change the way that we're consuming art um, as a community. I think that a lot of the ways that we consume art is art on the wall or music, but I think that there's a lot of opportunity and potential are my favorite words. So if we, yeah, <laughs> get used to it, people. Uh, so <laughs> Career Elective is working to kind of establish ourselves as a New Hampshire-based hub for an, or what we're calling the New England Teaching Artist Collaborative. So we're working with an organization mm. out of Vermont called Community Engagement Lab. And what we are really hoping to do is find novel ways of bringing artists and creative individuals into different sectors, different spaces to utilize their creativity and art for a positive social change. And so when I'm thinking of like changing the culture of how we utilize art in New Hampshire, that's kind of what I'm talking about. A couple of examples, and these are things that I'm kind of taking from other communities in New Hampshire or New England, but Massachusetts recently, well, Massachusetts is testing a culture RX program where doctors alongside prescribing like medicine are able to prescribe art experiences to people as part of like their treatment and stuff like that has been really shown, proven to be really beneficial to creating some positive change for people. So an example is there is a woman that came in for depression and some other issues. And along with her medicine, she was prescribed an African dance class and she ended up really, really loving that class. And it ended up helping her get healthier, but it also, yeah, it's just a really exciting way of using art in a different way than we would typically think about using it. I love that. Murals are always a good way to do that. Kind of what we were talking about with the waypoint mural. Yeah. Um, Helping community express themselves through art is a fantastic way. Music therapy is something else I would love to kind of work with different sectors here to bring that in as well. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm so excited about everything you're doing. Yeah, we're doing a lot. (laughs) Um, And I think it's interesting because typically the advice you get as like a nonprofit organization is to not do too much. Yep. But part of the reason we can do so much, and we do a lot of things rather successfully, um, is because the nobody else is doing it. Right. And we're more than happy to kind of help another organization or an individual fill that space when the time comes. But the like the tactical urbanism project, that's not something that I started out this year thinking that right. I would be spearheading. But there was a really an opportunity to ask for money to use uh, art for an environmental justice project. And so yeah. uh, somebody approached me and was like, do you, do you want to work on this? And I was like, oh, absolutely. 
And kind of something like that is really acting as a pilot for these kind of projects in the community. Will Queer Elective do more of them? Maybe not, but will it potentially inspire other people in the community to do more projects like that? Potentially. Right. Um, So it's really exciting. Well, and there's an exciting thing about like being sort of a like a baby nonprofit. You're still new or like you get to like experiment and try different things and figure out like really like hone in on your mission in a way where like you just play with a bunch of different things. and Like what feels like our place and like our thing. Yeah. So I would say like even now I still like my engineer part of my brain is like trying to optimize and perfect our mission. And I'm sure that the rest of the Queer Elective team wouldn't be happy to hear that. So our our original mission was to create and promote inclusive environments for queer, BIPOC, and other underserved communities with focus on utilizing art for personal and community growth. Very long. I'm the only one that can say it in one breath. I didn't (laughs) even just just do it just then. That's impressive. I don't think we can just like... I don't know our mission. We can't say our mission Uh, like that. (laughs) I know we have one. Like I was experimenting because a lot of the new initiatives that we're coming up with are a little bit more empowerment work. And so I was experimenting with like empowering individuals and communities to realize social change through art, which is easier to say, but also now I'm like, okay, but maybe we're actually (laughs) creating a sense of belonging through community engagement, education and art. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Just put in all of the, like, keywords. So it's, like, empowerment, engagement, art, queer, BIPOC, underserved, opportunity, potential. Did I say community already? Just all of them. (laughs) It needs to be there twice. It's funny because, like, (laughs) in terms of, like, the community, like, they don't really have, like, a big question anymore about, like, what Queer queer Elective does. Yeah. Like, they're a lot of, for a lot of people, like, if there's a space that needs art in it right. and it's a little queer, get queer elective. Yeah. But really the honing in on like the mission, the reason that we have to do that is for funders because they're still right. so traditional yes. and you have to make it so simple. Yep. And I'm like, just give me money. Look at what we're doing. Just give me money. Look and at I what we're doing. Do good stuff with Legit. it. I promise. Yes. Um, yeah. But you do have to kind of walk the walk. Walk the walk. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, uh, listeners make a donation to Queer Elective. Yeah. Kimball Jenkins is still our fiscal sponsor. Oh, shout out to Kimball Jenkins. They're amazing. Oh, yes, uh, but yeah, they they're are. Our, they're our fiscal sponsor <laughs> still. Although, by the time this comes out, we might be. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah. Our, board, our board is growing very soon. So people want to attend things, get involved. Where do they find you? What do they do? Social media is the best way to get involved with us. That's kind of our first line in terms of communicating with the general public. Um, But if you want early access to information, join our Discord because our Discord is a a lot of times when I have an idea, I will go to the Discord first and be like, what do you think of this? And some really fantastic things have come out of the Discord, like our first-time exhibition our first time exhibition guide came out of the discord because there were a lot of people that are like, how do I show my art for the first time? Mm. And Jackie Hansen in there, who has a lot of experience was like, I'll do it. I'll put together a guide. And I was like, okay, we'll pay you. And so we paid her to put together the guide and it's helped so many people. We have another artist that's working on like a first time market guide as well. And I think like a lot of stuff will be, 
a lot more resources like that will be coming out of that. But yeah, our Discord is a great space to connect with the local community, talk with the other artists about art or just organize your kind of own gathering and also get first looks at some things that Queer Elective is working on. So, And then our website is also a great place to get information on us. I try to make sure that is always Mm -hmm. updated. I do change it around a lot, so don't don't get surprised if it's a little (laughs) different, but you can always find information, relevant information on what we're doing on our website, so... That's fantastic. All right. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Time for rapid fire. What other artist has influenced you the most? This is interesting. Okay. So I was thinking about like what got me started with my cellophane art. And it was actually an artist, a Korean artist named Sun Ching Yang, who um, creates furniture out of balloons and they're really decadent they're really colorful and gorgeous and his process is blowing up the balloons sculpting them into furniture and then covering them in a ton of resin make them so you can sit on them and that is actually how I got started with um using resin and cellophane to kind of create a lot of my sculptures and so that is how I got started with yeah, using resin and cellophane was very cool. Being inspired by him. What's the most unique material you've worked with? Hmm. I mean, I do want to say iridescent cellophane, but iridescent cellophane is a little trendy right now. Um, so I don't know if I could say it's that unique. Hmm. I guess I'll have to go with that though. I can't think of anything better. Favorite queer elective program to date? Probably Manchester Pride. It's such a huge event. It funnels a lot of money to local queer artists, but also in terms of like the commu- the the importance of it for community. Everybody, go look at those photos. They're on our website. They will make you cry. It's just the photos are just so amazing. And just remember, everybody in that in those photos is being poured on like because of the torrential downpour and they're still so happy. Right. (laughs) That's amazing. What's your favorite color? Purple and then pink. I also love green. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly, that's how I, exactly how I answer it too. I'm like, well, it's a four way tie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite scent? I guess I'll go with, garlic but it has to be garlic from food mm. there are a number of scents that if they're misplaced then they're not good yes yeah Fish, cheese garlic if it's not in the kitchen it's not it shouldn't be near my nose <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely good point oh <laughs> uh, what's your favorite sound i do love so our townhouse complex is in displaced marshlands but there are a ton of birds that come back in the spring and they are so loud in the morning it's crazy how loud they are but i love it they should they're i'm like what what are they talking about what (laughs) what are you guys chit-chatting about can i be a part of it (laughs) what's with the neighborhood (laughs) (laughs) favorite texture to touch Oh, 
interesting. I know. This was the one we were most we excited. We wanted to know what you were going to say. Because you well, touch so many great textures and you make amazing textures. <laughs> I don't know, actually. That's really interesting. Like your necklace. Well, I guess I've been fiddling with this necklace and my earrings. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I do love, like, the cellophane and the, the beads. and Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> cellophane. Love it. Uh, easy. <laughs> Most inspiring location you've traveled to or visited, place you visited? This is interesting because now that I participate in art a lot more, I when I travel, I interact with the space so much differently. I guess, like, Miami was a really cool place that I went to really mm. recently because they have a lot of public art mm-hmm. there, and it's it's really cool. So I'll say Miami for now. We talked nice. about that on the episode with either Manny or Cecilia, one of our positive street art parts, because Miami does a like a, a mural festival mm-hmm. every year. So like that's why they have so much art, which is really cool. So you'll have to go for the festival. You have to listen to both those episodes, get the details, because oh, yeah. I don't I remember I did, I which did listen one to those. And was. I also, there's like <laughs> Art Basel in Miami. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they were talking okay. about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I remember yeah. talking to yes. them about that, actually. Yeah, it was really cool. What's the last new thing you've learned? So the last new thing that I learned was, I can't, I can't say that I fully learned it, but I've been using a new graphics programming software called touch designer to create some like projection mapping interactive art and by learn all i'm really saying is i downloaded uh somebody else's project and then i tweaked it (laughs) by following a youtube video to make it do what i want and so if i had to build something from the ground up i absolutely could not but honestly, that's how it is when you use a lot of like softwares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Blender right now, I'm working on like a couple of like art pieces for our show king coming up in January with the New Hampshire Audubon at Massabesic. And for those, I don't know if this is cheating, but you can just download like 3D models that other people have put up online and then I tweak them to be what I want. Um, and that's kind of like similar, like. I don't actually, and I'm using Blender to do that, which is like a free 3D modeling software. Um, and I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, I know what I'm doing enough to like make, yes. it, make it do what I want. <laughs> yes. I feel like uh, with coding, with like HTML and stuff, like I can read it and I can kind of understand it, but could I create it from the ground up? I feel the same way with that too, because with Creelective's website, we use Shopify and they don't give you a lot of freedom with mm-hmm. like how to modify things. And mm. being an artist and then like a graphic designer, I'm like, yeah, let yeah. me change the width of this box. <laughs> and so I have to like Google how to mess with the code every single time for yeah. the tiniest thing. Yeah. And- yep. I don't know. Back in the days of MySpace, we were all like junior coders. Uh, yes. You know? funny. <laughs> oh my gosh, time travel. Oh Ugh. Gosh. The good old days. <laughs> what was your top eight? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Who was your first oh friend? We already know the answer. It was Tom. Tom. <laughs> Tom was your first friend on MySpace. Clincher question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Well... Address your mental health is one. Very good so one. So I absolutely, and I know Brendan also has ADHD because I listen to that too. So many artists have ADHD. Yeah. I absolutely have ADHD and I also absolutely have social anxiety that I have to take medication for, which is 
a lot, most people wouldn't know that about me. But it's very interesting because growing up, I always like, I would occasionally like do some like journal entries. And I love reading those. I know some people think they're cringy, but I still love reading them to like see who, like what I was like back Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting because like some of the stuff that I would talk about textbook social anxiety and just because of like the household I came grew up in that was like you can't take medication for your mental health right I didn't get that stuff addressed right and it wasn't until I was 30 years old until I got that stuff addressed that's wild yep god I can relate to that (laughs) but also (laughs) be more authentic to yourself that's absolutely something I would want to share with my younger self but it's interesting because I don't know if you can exactly tell that to somebody always. Like, I I wonder if I had to, like, get to the point where I was to be able to start doing that. Right. So I, I would love to say that to myself, but, yeah, would I listen? Who knows? Right. It takes a long time to figure out who right. you are, but the pow- once you do, the power that you have, oh, my God. Gosh. Yeah. And the beauty. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is sort of the like secret second part of the question, which is you could give this advice to your younger self. Would your younger self listen? I think my younger self would listen for the mental health thing because I, I wouldn't uh, listen to any of my own advice. <laughs> if a if future you came back and was like, start taking Lexapro. You're like, what? I'd be like, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, that is, I think I, I would. I th- I look at this question. It's a secretly what advice are you giving other people to other younger people? Yeah. 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 Oh well, that both of those. Yeah. yeah. Be authentic. Yeah. And 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 it's okay. Address your mental health. Yeah, it's okay to talk about your mental health Absolutely. and like take that stigma away Absolutely. from it Absolutely. meaning something that you know has been kind of the rhetoric with the yeah society for. Yep. Yeah, well, years. I really appreciate your comment. Like, like no one would know that I have social anxiety because I get that all the time. Like, you don't seem depressed. I'm like, the pills are working. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting. It's interesting because I was also thinking about this on my way here. Like, one weird like side effect I had from my social anxiety is that I couldn't maintain eye contact with people for a long time. Otherwise, my eyes would start watering. And I realized today that hasn't happened. Like, I can't think of the last time that happened. And I was like, I can't, what? I was living with that for so long. Moving up in the world. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. This is such a good conversation. Thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast. It really hits like all the notes. Yeah. It's so great. Yes. I think we, I think we, to our credit, covered a lot of territory in a small amount of time. We did. There I was, know. We could have done a whole episode <laughs> on Queer Elective and a whole episode on your art and and probably a whole other episode on, you know. Other stuff. Other stuff. Authentic <laughs> yeah. self. Everything like that. But we appreciate you sharing yeah. and being so open Thank with you. us and with everybody. The New Hampshire community is is better for having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And it was really special to be here. Thank you so Yay. much. Yeah. And with that, Show Show us us your creative guts. Another huge thank you to Randall for joining us on Creative Guts. Wow. He's just a beacon of light with his art, but then with the way he talks. I was just like in awe of him the whole time. Yeah, me too. Me too. Like sort of intimidated by how awesome he is, but also like, at ease because of how like authentic he is. Yes. I mean, he's a 
natural born communicator. Yeah. And I really enjoyed hearing that he does not deal with imposter syndrome any longer. I know. And that sounds like a monumental thing to aspire to and celebrate because it is so common. So many of us have it. And it's, I think, really something that, you know, I sort of just accept, like, (laughs) I'm just going to have it. And, (laughs) you know, to think that I could maybe work through it, I feel like talking with him kind of inspired me in that way that I could maybe not have it someday. And that's okay. Like, I feel like there's this almost false humility in having it. Like, oh, yeah. It sucks. And it's really great that he does not have that anymore. Well, and it's so wild to think that like he only started taking his art seriously like two years ago. Queer Elective's only been around for like a year and a half. Like that's just kind of like mind blowing. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he went through a lot to get to where he is. Yeah. And I think New Hampshire is very lucky to have him. Yeah. I mean, he could like he could change the world. He could change the state. He could yeah maybe there's nothing he couldn't do I know it's amazing amazing (laughs) he's like he's like you know I'm like thinking about doing this or I'm thinking about doing that and I'm like yep he's got this like if there's anybody I believe in to do this stuff it's totally it's totally queer elective oh Randall thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your light with us it's just right before recording to be honest Sarah and I were talking about some of the more dismal things happening in the world and it's truly wonderful to have folks like you who can turn it around and and make me feel hopeful again after you know watching the news yeah <laughs> yeah you're an inspiration i want to support every single thing that you do if you want to see randall's work or you want to learn more about queer elective i'm going to send you to strangepieces.com and queerelective.com and rather than giving you 67 links right now verbally on the air I'm gonna let you fall down the like rabbit hole of links yourself you can find them on Instagram Facebook elsewhere on the interwebs so check out the links we just mentioned in the episode description and on our website creativegutspodcast.com you will find us on Facebook and Instagram at creativegutspodcast This episode is sponsored in part by the Rochester Museum of Fine Arts. Thank you to our friends in Rochester for their support of the show. If you love listening and want to support Creative Guts, you can make a donation. Leave us a review wherever reviewing is applicable. Interact with our content on social media. Whatever you're able to do, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. (laughs) 